This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Clinton here from the Comedy Forecast podcast, congratulating you on your obvious good taste. After all, you're listening to the Mutual Audio Network. Well done. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to day three of MadCon 2020. Uh, we are at the panel about accessing and gatekeeping in the audio drama mm. community, um, um, which is a little different than I think a lot of other communities because mm. it's a pretty diverse and welcoming um community mm. with a relatively low barrier of entry but we're definitely going to be talking about some of the specifics of that and uh, and how unique the podcast world is to some of these uh topics so first let's introduce our wonderful guest we have kai uh slamming down a monster why don't you tell us about yourself um yeah i'm kai gwyneth pritchard i do a mythic sci-fi audio drama called uh, chain of being um i love 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 sound to uh almost freakish extent um and i yeah i'm just it's mostly sound is most of my thing most of the time i'm a big fan of audio drama as a medium i think it's very special um not just like kind of on the qualities of the medium itself but also the community that's built up around it i think they influence each other i actually wrote a thing about it a while back but kind of what we're here to talk about so yeah and and when did you start chain of being Christ. Uh, when I was like 17 years old, so just before the pandemic, and then I did like one, two episodes, and then that happened. It was like, well, I've got all this time, better keep doing it, and then released loads of episodes, and then I went to university, and then have just a very, it's like a very strange release schedule. Like it's loads bunched together, and then it's really spread out, and it took me two years to finish the last, last two episodes. Yeah, so I've been doing it for a while. Well, welcome back. This is you've been on several of these panels with me, and and so has Aaron. Welcome back again, Aaron. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be back. And uh, tell us a little bit about um, how you entered the world. We touched on this a little bit yesterday. Um, tell us about how you entered the world of audio drama. Yeah. Um, so I'm Aaron Nicole Lundquist. I'm a professional voice actress. I have been voice acting for seven years. Started in commercials, and then uh, a director who heard my commercial work that was like two years into me doing commercials was like, hey, I'm starting an audio drama. Would you like to audition? And I was like, well, what's an audio drama? He's like, well, you know, like an audio book, it's an audio play. And I was like, I love that. Oh, like a radio play? Like, yes. Awesome. I'm here for it because I love radio plays. Um, So I am – I have – that's that was five years ago. I never left audio dramas. I've probably done like twenty. I was looking at my resume. I was like, oh my god, it's been like twenty twenty five ish in one way, shape, or form. Um, I I also Amazing. do you know video games, animation, uh, anime dubbing, live action dubbing. But uh, no matter what, I'm always going to do audio dramas because I also love the medium. It's unique, and part mm. of that is the access. And we talked a little bit about the freedom for storytelling, and I'm sure that will come up. But I would love to talk more about the actor's perspective. Um, and honestly, um, well, we'll get into it. But yeah, I'm, I'm here to deliver that perspective. Um, 
So I think a good way to then start that is to start this conversation about accessing gatekeeping is I I would like to hear uh, from you, Kai, once you started creating episodes Mm. and things like that, um, how would you say that you're like the barrier of entry to get into podcasting? What was that like for you? Um, did you feel like you were mm. limited by your options or that your, your equipment or or, or anything like that? Yeah. Um, not, I mean, it's, yeah, not really. I think, I think the main thing was just figuring out how to get it somewhere. I think that once I found like there are three ways to host it. And I think once I'd found the three ways to host audio drama, I think that was the big thing for me of like, I can spend almost nothing on this. I can I can get myself a mic um, and spend maybe like 50 quid on a, a blue snowball, which is my first one. Um, and then, well, so I think that was, and then, yeah, I can just, I can just like cover myself in a duvet and just record my lines and then beg people to do like other, other, other poor artists to perhaps do some, some lines for it and then get my sound effects or free sound, uh, make the sound effects myself. And then, yeah, relatively low cost, which I think was what the big sort of draw was, was that I didn't, I could just make it like pretty much on my own, like writing, decide what happened and what it sounded like. And because it is only sound, I don't have to worry about like props and visuals and CGI and effects. And, and like, it's it's kind of I only have one particular like dimension to focus on to make it as good as I can. And then from there, I you know upgraded mics and I've I've sort of gotten better at doing sound since then. Um, and then hopefully with season two as well, like you know we're gonna try and crowdfund it so we can actually like get some money going through it and then kind of build it up but i think i think the big draw for me in the first place was that it's 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 so simple and it's it's definitely work but it's so just like you can just you can just do it and it takes time obviously and you know time is like a very valuable resource but yeah it was just like i can just do this i can just make it and you know it's up to me if it sounds good or not yeah uh and so aaron as the um you sit a bit closer on the performance side of things and you've obviously produced some audio drama and things like that. So you understand the creative process, but as a performer, what was your barrier of entry like into this? Was it, was it pretty accessible for you to be able to hop into this industry? So uh, beside my one fluke of somebody inviting me to audition for their audio drama, once I started looking for my own work, uh, I, found the barrier to entry as far as any acting in any type of medium which is you are at a certain level of skill as an actor at any given time in your career and so certain productions are automatically going to be out of your reach especially if you're a beginner because there are some that are so polished and that are so like oh my god i would love to be a part of that yeah but are you of the the level that you are contributing to the collaborative effort in a meaningful way? Or do you need to like go and work on your skill set a little bit more? So when I entered the world, that's where I was. At. I was like, oh, no, like I was not able to be on something like Earth Eclipse or something. I'm not on Earth Eclipse. I just we talked about it yesterday and I love that audio mm. drama. And so I was like, OK, so I want to be I need to get better. So what I ended up doing was uh, I went to a casting call club which is casting called dot club. It is a 
casting website that is free. There's a paid option, but you really don't need it um, because everything on there is free. And it's a great place to start because it doesn't require a demo because a lot of the big audio dramas required a demo, a resume, a cover letter. And I was like, I have none of these things. Oh no. But Casting Call Club didn't have any of those. I was like, cool. I could literally just audition for the role with the provided uh, copy, which is the word for script. So like the provided script. And um, I could uh, go and that's where I started to get my first paid roles were in indie audio dramas with people who were maybe doing their first audio drama. Maybe they were, this was like their second, third or fourth, but they were, they were newer productions. And so, um, yeah, it was a skill. It was like a skill and experience barrier when you're acting. One thing I did notice though, is that when I joined, when I initially started auditioning, there the stories had a fair balance between masculine and feminine characters and then um, some characters that could be either. And I don't mean non-binary. I mean, like, they wanted male and female to audition and they hadn't decided yet. And then um, it started to shift and there was a lot more LGBTQ representation. So there was an emergence of non-binary characters um, and it kind of took over the female roles for some reason. Like, it's mm. almost as if to them, non-binary meant assigned yeah. female at birth. And I was it's like, that's not... Thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's not what I mean. So the female roles kind of disappeared for a couple months. And I was like, what do I do now? Because <laughs> I wasn't going to audition for something, even if it was femme mm. presenting. I'm not non-binary. I, I, I didn't feel right auditioning for mm -hmm. that. Um, so I kind of waited and then it, it settled and now there's a, a good mix in audio drama of uh, masculine, feminine and non-binary characters from what I've seen. And so that was, that was an interesting thing that I was like, oh, what's happening? It's, All the female that. characters have turned non-binary. <laughs> it's, it's that phrase, isn't it? Women and non-binary as if like, you know, it's it's a thing that's like, mm. you know, as, as as someone that uses he, they, it's kind of like, you you don't mean me. <laughs> like, I know you don't. It's yeah. Yeah. It's very and I just think it's hear. a misunderstanding of of what non-binary is, uh, or maybe yeah. or maybe an assumption that only women or it's more of a woman thing to yeah. reevaluate your gender. And maybe, but I don't think so. I know all of my non not all of not all of my non-binary friends. A lot. It's like a fifty-fifty split, literally. Mm. Yeah, of <laughs> assigned male at birth or assigned female. Assigned male at birth or assigned female at birth. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so Ali actually touched on this uh, uh, quite a bit in their Susu Pride video because um, one of the questions was, how does audio drama as a as a whole do in terms of representation? And something that Ali specifically commented on is that they will ask for non-binary characters, but then assign either a mask, uh, masculine or feminine voice profile to it. And mm. for them, it's like, isn't that kind of reductive to what non-binary is supposed to be? It's not supposed yeah. to be gendered. And, you know, there are there are um, and you know, obviously I'm not very uh, I'm still learning a lot about uh, queerness and um, mm. LGBTQ uh, plus uh, culture and identity. But there are those who identify non-binary, but maybe um, choose to present male or present female mm -hmm. in various ways. But in terms, I, I, but Ali mentioned that to them that 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 kind of like 
well you're trying but you you kind of yeah. you didn't quite understand the prompt um and it, it seemed um to to kind of bother them in that regard that you're asking for non-binary but you're still kind of fishing mm. for a, a very gendered voice yeah. um, correct and so i thought that was um i thought mm. that was interesting um, it's it, it's finally really, I think, starting to shift in a good direction. I see more and more projects, and even on the bigger indie level, that are starting to understand more of the freedom of being non-binary yeah. and, and, and giving that to the character rather than checking a box. Mm-hmm. Now, something interesting, I have a... F- a friend of mine who has been a professional for like in the pro level industry for about 30 years. And uh, he was telling me that on the professional level, he's starting to see a lot more he, she, non-binary. And his agent had started sending him non-binary auditions. And he was like, well, you're right in that I can 100% play this character on the page. Like this character is for me. However, this this right here, non-binary, I, I am a man. I don't, I'm, I'm yeah. definitely male. Do I still audition for this? Because I, yes, I know I can faithfully portray everything about this character, but do they want me or do they want someone who is non-binary? And um, he, I believe he has so far stayed away from anything because he doesn't identify as such, which is really big because... I know personally how frustrating it is I, when you see even a male character and you're like, but that's me. Like, I can play that character. But mm-hmm. I know you don't want my sound, but it's fine. Yeah. Just emotionally, emotionally connecting with something mm. that you don't represent, but you can't, you know. Right. People have their own visions. The creators have their own visions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess they're allowed to have that, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I guess... So it's very interesting because I, I think maybe it's it's less of a malicious thing and more of an ignorance thing. The like j- uh, understanding of gender and 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 queerness is something that I, I strive to learn more about every day. And I could see that maybe that's a mistake I would make if I was doing mm-hmm. a casting call. And I, obviously, I wouldn't mean to to try to shoehorn a, a voice into that. Um, but maybe it is kind of an ignorance thing. And and that you're saying that you're seeing that that's getting better maybe shows that it, it was never meant to be malicious, but maybe yeah. like these creators are learning more. I learn more and more every day from my peers um, about how they identify it's, and what it means to them. I think it's, it's easy, especially when you might be surrounded by like, like I am of people that are like queer and in whatever respect. And then you realize that a lot of people don't have that kind of like thing around them. And so it's like, especially in audio drama as well. It's, it's so like, yeah it's it's so it's so queer and i think it's it's um i think once you go outside of that and like just people that aren't in audio drama i think don't know anything about that and so i think it's very easy to kind of so i think i don't know i think i think it's definitely gonna get better and i hope it does because uh you know people deserve to be represented like correctly because it's mm-hmm. just like it sucks <laughs> yeah um, I, I do, I uh, on the on the topic of like gatekeeping because talking about people mm. deserving to be represented i do think that that I do think that that's a barrier to entry into any part of the entertainment industry as as like a character actor, because a lot of times people go in with their ideas. Mm. And if you are maybe like a a trans mask, African-American or like Afro-Latino person, 
there's going to be it's it, there's not going to be a whole lot of roles that specifically nail who sure, you yeah. are or who you identify as but being a voice actor and because audio is mm. uh, an audio only medium you can still audition for other characters that you feel like you yeah. fit so then then it, the question becomes where is the line for mm. what what one can and cannot audition for? Because you don't want to step on somebody else's toes yeah, or somebody else's representation, but also you need to work. Yeah. So it's just an interesting. Yeah. Which I'm not. I haven't had this problem because I'm mm. a, a female Latina. I I am pansexual. So there's like plenty and pan bi. Like before pan was a term, I identified as bi because I'm 36. So like just growing up, I was like, yeah, I'm bi, whatever. But mm. like. Now yeah. I, I'm probably more in like the pan region. I just put both. It doesn't matter. Anyway, what does <laughs> matter is that there's a lot of those roles out there. Yeah. So, so it hasn't been my problem, but I see my I see other actors have that problem of mm. finding representation. And it's definitely interesting seeing it from from the the actor's side. I think I think the um, very few of the roles that I have started writing in season two, I think, uh, have any particular thing assigned to them. I think. Like ha having written them, I think there's like one character I definitely know I want to have an Irish accent. Beyond that, it's really kind of I don't know. I don't know why. It's sometimes you just write something and then decide like it kind of feels right. But yeah, oh, yeah. maybe it's just because I'm. <laughs> and yeah. maybe we're approaching <laughs> yeah. the kind of um, where the character has a, a, a specific personality and things like that. But maybe those like characteristics aren't completely fleshed out and can be malleable yeah. to the voice talent you get. Aaron, you had given me, uh, us a specific example of a project that you went on, and then it was like an all male thing. And then they casted you and then actually made a ton of swaps to include more female representation. Mm. And I think that's yeah. really cool. Like, it kind of sucks that mm. it was, you know, as you said, a sausage fest at first. Um, <laughs> or maybe, maybe someone else said sausage fest somewhere no, during it me. It no, was I you. Did, okay. It was, I call them sausage fest uh, casting calls when I look and I go, male, 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 male. Oh, there's 12 male characters and zero female <laughs> characters. What am I supposed to do with this? And sometimes if it's a if it's such a beautiful world. And a beautiful, like if the if the world is amazing and the characters are amazing, and I fall in love with the story, and I'm like, I can be that character. I might still throw in an audition, because maybe the writer yeah. was male, like maybe, who knows, probably, right? But like maybe the writer was male, and they're just going from their perspective, and they just have that view. But then when you remember, oh yeah, women exist. Like <laughs> you can open up. You can open that. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that that's a good example that like maybe character design in a lot of early stages can be, and it, it being an audio only format, um, a yeah. personality doesn't always have to be very gendered. Um, and yeah, definitely, uh, there are definitely. I, I think that's a good example as like, yeah, we can swap over the the, the gender of the character and it won't change the integrity of who they are. Um, yeah, and, and it could be something very important where that character is then now. Um, like it makes sense that they could be like if the the actor that auditions is uh uh afro latina um um by non-binary whatever the case may be they could you know accommodate in that kind of sense to make it feel mm. um and that's not like yeah we'll model the character after you because we want you to feel a part of that show I think with 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 it being an audio medium as well sometimes you don't have to like necessarily specify as well and so yeah. then people can then decide for themselves what i mean i think the the, the, this is like kind of the the half joke I had with my housemate, where it was like the only non-canon. There's only one non-canon, like 
look for the main character of Chain of Being, and that is Skinny White Twink, because I don't want him to be a Tumblr sexy man. So, like, it could be literally <laughs> anything that you imagine it to be except that. Um, and I just, that's, like, it, but that's the thing is, like, you can just imagine it, and it's fine, because it's you. You're, you're generating these images in your head, mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, and unless there is some official art, but I'm going to try my best to not have at least the main character be, like, visually represented. If they're aliens and stuff, that's a whole different thing. But, right. like, you know... I people, love that. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I, I know often in, um, in obviously in television, there is a very specific look you go for. You probably have a character in mind yeah. so that when you cast them, you have that um, lined up. Uh, when it comes yeah. to books, there you have narration and you would like to help the reader um, create yeah. this world in their head and give them the imagery to kind of spell out who this character is. But we do have this very interesting, unique um uh, ability in audio drama that unless you know sometimes you have narration sometimes you don't but narration mm. isn't always descriptive but a lot of times it's used as internal monologue right like so for chain of being in specific um the narration mm. comes from the perspective of adam and so yeah. how everyone else looks in chain of being even though there's narration it doesn't really yeah. it doesn't really matter to the listener um the actions of what's happening around do and that's portrayed mm. by the sound and the dialogue but how they look and things like that is is such a when mm. i'm when i'm imagining a lot of audio dramas in my head and trying to give them pictures like i i picture the actions and the surroundings and the environment more than i do how the people yeah, look in my head i i think the the only the only audio drama i've listened to that i have this kind of specific look in my head is green horizon because green horizon has official art for yeah. gina rebecca uh sonya and all the other main camp barnard and peter they all have official designs that amy did so that's the one show because it's been given to you mm-hmm. yeah definitely but when i was when I, I think when it came to dose after you i pictured david because david's the voice of deck so i think <laughs> i in my head mapped david as deck but everyone else yeah. like yeah I, I didn't really have that. And I thought it was really beautiful because David mm. was talking a lot about his, uh, his, his VAs in the last panel and they're all, they're all trans. And so you have mm. what you would call, uh, uh, femme voices and referring to the, the actors as he, uh, and, and, and vice mm. versa. And it really shows you that like, it's about the characters. It's not always about yeah. the, um, what they're assigned like to me the characters are genderless even though the voices may sound gendered yeah it's so it's so really cool. cool that's really cool mm-hmm. i love that show um, <laughs> oh yeah toast have uh, for you by the way for anyone listening is phenomenal it is good so listening. good english um, and spanish mm. yeah so i suppose maybe we should circle back to like the whole accessing and mm-hmm. like, so i mean i suppose it is, is kind of related but um yeah, I, I was I was thinking as well as we were talking about this, like if you do feel like it's not being done well enough, whatever, in whatever sense that may be, I think the great thing is that you can do it. <laughs> like yep. you, you you listen and go, Oh, I wish I wish I mean this is kind of what I did, not in a in a sort of representation thing necessarily, but like, you know, I wish that this was being done. I mean, I, I've I've kind of written it down, I've I've sort of redone this list in my head over and over and over, but like if you have a phone, a laptop phone and a laptop you can pretty much 
that's all you need really because you can get audacity for free um preferably not the spyware version download an older version um and then free sound is free sound uh, also sound is really good they have a free version and then you can host it on anchor i've heard they're a bit shifty but there's another one which i've forgotten the name of but there are free hosting options um that you can do and then yeah you have you have the ability to produce an audio drama that you uh wanted to see made and i think that's why it's it's, it's kind of so cool and i think that's that is why it has become so um or at least at least from sort of perspective of that i've seen so diverse is that anybody can make it and because anybody is making it and because people are doing it, it you know it, it's this snowball effect of like more people are drawn to it because they're seeing themselves represented or they're seeing a story that you know is slightly niche uh and i think yeah it just kind of builds up and up which i think is just like it's just fucking awesome <laughs> yeah just, i agree yeah. the sound yeah. museum is one of my favorite um examples of that so lee talks mm. a bit of about the, their choice to make the main character, the two main characters. They are a non-binary um, ace couple that are perfectly healthy and happy. And that's, that is just something that's important to them that they just wanted to yeah. include in the story. It has no real narrative bearing, but for them, mm. it's important that like no one has done this where like there is non-binary ace relationship portrayed in a healthy, happy way. <laughs> I, we want to be the first to do it. And then yeah. that's, that's just something they can do because they yeah. have no one to answer to. There is no gatekeepers to, to bring that back to like where we've talked a bit about um, networks and things like this that can often just tell you no to ideas. Mm. There's no one to tell you no for your projects in the audio drama <laughs> mm-hmm. world. Uh, which is which is a good and bad thing. And I, we mm. didn't actually go into the bad part of when people don't. Yeah. tell you no um i i think in one of the panels i talked about freddie mercury and how freddie mercury's solo uh, yeah. work was like reviled whereas <laughs> his work with queen is legendary and everybody is familiar with that um and part of it was that no one did tell him no when mm. he was doing his solo work and so you do run the risk especially if uh something like so faustian nonsense who's hosting this uh convention they have a lot of collaborative writing efforts and Mm -hmm. so there are other writers it's not going to be from one person's like mad genius and sometimes if you're writing something and editing something yourself there's just some stuff that maybe didn't need to be there and i don't mean that there's something of a personal nature just Mm -hmm. something that could have been tightened up something that could have been either explored further or didn't need to or drew away from the scene and you don't i feel like you you could miss something if you didn't have someone else there, if you are 100% soloing something. But the point is, you still got your story out. You still told yeah. the story of your characters. It's still great from a storytelling perspective. But uh, I do think there's something special about the mm. access to collaborate with other people. And I do do want to stress that I do think it's important to collaborate. Yeah. Right. And in that case, that, that level of collaboration is different than something you'd see on a more corporate profit like Mm. profit-oriented level where you're working with other people that want to help you tell an amazing story, not people who want to make sure it's sold to as many people as possible. And um, and Hannah did touch on this when talking about collaborative writing for Supersuits and that she had other writers to kind of help flush out certain um, skill sets in whether it's world building or action scenes and things like that, mm. that maybe she wasn't um, as strong in as Stefan, right? Stefan is a very um, strong world builder. He's very good at writing action scenes. We have people that are really good at writing comedy. I mean, Hannah writes some amazing comedy. Hannah's very, very funny. Um, so 
in, in that in so, that case you're very right you have the strength of a group of really talented people to help you make a more fleshed out product and i think that that's something that if there are people listening who are thinking about doing this don't be afraid to reach mm. out to other creatives like if you like someone's work if you're inspired by someone you can email them or send them a twitter dm or something like that and just be like hey i really liked the way you did xyz um how did you do that or can i talk to you more about that or just say like i'm thinking of starting my own audio drama and like is it possible for me to like run some stuff by you because maybe they are free at that time maybe they want to collaborate with you now and then somebody that you looked up to is now working with you on a project mm. or if they don't have time maybe they're like well i don't really have time right now but here's like four people i know that might be willing to help you and now you're networking amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, and that's, and I think that's part of the gatekeeping um, side of it, right? There, there isn't a lot of gatekeeping because no one, no one's viewing each other in this industry as competitors, right? We're all artists and we're all very happy well, to help each other. <laughs> well, I mean, it was, there's there not is the, no one, but that, yeah, there, there is. Uh, maybe we shouldn't say who, but there was that. Uh, there was a bit of uh, drama way back when. Maybe not way back when, like like I think last year, with a very popular podcast who basically just like through shade like another another podcast that was doing a vaguely similar thing it was like mm. you didn't invent this like thing you should like relax a little bit yeah um, yeah it's I think definitely it's not like, unheard of I, I don't know what we're talking about but that's funny I, like, is the oh, chat no. recorded can i type it in uh, uh the chat is indeed recorded um, okay. okay don't type it in. dm me then <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> um but the stories like that and, and obviously this may change as um audio drama becomes bigger there is going to be more beef i think like that because humans even if you get a million people in here there's a chance there's gonna be some assholes you know what i mean um if there's a possibility of it existing as you get out to more and more numbers aaron and i were talking about the statistics things like that if there's a point one percent chance that someone's an asshole in this industry the more people you add the more likely that is going to be that that comes yeah. true but for the yeah. most part what i love about this industry and i've, I've made this this connection before is indie games and indie entertainment often kind of follow oh, there's a mosquito they love me by the way I'm, okay i'm good, good okay i'm good i go away um <laughs> <That's just blood. laughs> ah, terrible um most people don't view each other as, in this industry as competitors uh as as and, and i've seen this on the other side where uh, my roommate is literally a twitch uh, slash youtuber he plays hearthstone and he's like, I try to get people to help me figure out how I can do better on Twitch or on YouTube. And they are much like, no, because that'll take away from my views and I don't want you to know anything. We found <laughs> in this industry that it is much. Yeah. Uh, and there's been exceptions and people have helped Rob quite a bit. Rob is my roommate. Um, but it, it's. It is less gatekept um, in this industry where people are happy to help, to collaborate, to give advice and things like that. And that's mm. a benefit that we have in the network, too, is we all want to help each other. Go on, Aaron. Quick aside for YouTube people. Um, that is a that is a misconception. So I've produced four different YouTube channels. And of those YouTube channels, uh, what what has been discovered statistically is that the more channels that are out there of with their content the more the algorithm like interweaves them and so your videos are more likely to pop up mm -hmm. after somebody else's channel as well so like if they're not just looking for you so if your friend has a 
a YouTube channel and someone that you're doing something that's very similar, having two of them, it'll probably, you'll end up linking at some point where your videos are playing one after another. So is it drawing away views? Maybe, but like, then just make more relevant content. That's just mm. the only thing I say to other YouTube creators. It's like, yeah. I just want to do a quick aside, is that it's sort of like, well, make make good content and then people will see it and, mm. and go, oh, wow, I like this. <laughs> but people learn differently and or people enjoy different things. And so just let people enjoy things. Just put it all out there. Go. Yeah, <laughs> my roommates have some bad experiences, and it also could be the specific game that he's in is very gatekept. It's Hearthstone. It's a competitive card game. Uh, it's oh based yeah, on the... it's, it, it's... it gets real toxic. I I was a Hearthstone player for a long time. Oh my god! And it was just for fu- just for funsies. I mean, I didn't yeah. do it like competitively or whatever. Um, the reason I didn't do it competitively is because it the whole community can get really like it's know. it's rough. Um, his his name is Warshak. He's one of the only standard streamers, um, which is a one of the formats in Hearthstone, and he's one of the only ones that still makes content. And so he's trying to get help from like the other two big guys on YouTube that make content, and they just want they want nothing to do with them. That ma- that makes sense. Oh, poor dude. I know. I'd help him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Send him my way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say, from an acting perspective, mm. it is a personal choice whether you decide if acting is a competition or not. Yeah. And I say this now, I'm going to I'm going to give this from a perspective of a teacher and then I'll give my perspective, uh, my personal perspective on this. So I teach voice acting with Crispin Freeman uh, on voice acting mastery. So he does workshops with people of all levels. So we've had professionals come in from uh, like that are 30 year professionals. They have all this this thing in the theater. Um or they're brand new and they've literally never acted before in their life. And we do a general workshop with them. And something I found is uh, some people choose to view acting because it is by nature competitive in that there are only so many roles Mm. and so many actors that they view it as a competition. And I have seen that in the audio drama world where I've gotten some shade because sometimes I'll walk into a chat. Like some, sometimes a lot of times discord is used for audio dramas. So even for casting, they're like, join our discord. And like, sometimes I'll join a discord and they'd be like, Oh, look, Aaron's here. Great. Because like, I'll get, I'll snipe a role. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get that one. And then I'll like get the role. And they're like, awesome. Great. Thanks for being here. (laughs) But anyway, it's not, It's not (laughs) my personal choice Mm. is that acting while a competitive industry is not a competition because you're always striving to better yourself. And if you are the best actor for a role and you you are exactly what the director is going to want, then you're going to get that role. But Mm. sometimes it has nothing to do with you. You could be the greatest actor in the entire world and you sound like the director's ex-girlfriend. And they will never hire you <laughs> because because when they listen to you, you're like, oh, oh, God, it sounds like Tammy or whatever. <laughs> Fucking Tammy. So they could have been hangry at the moment they listened to your audition. And so yeah. they weren't in the right mindset to, like, perceive you. So that's why I think looking at it as a competition is silly because mm. you could have been the best. You could have been the best and you could have deserved the role and 
just something happened and the casting mm. director didn't choose you. So like, I, I hope that helps because when you don't view it as a competitive industry, when yeah. you do look at it as just furthering yourself creatively, the way Tony was talking about, then the world opens up to you because now what, what can I do? Where do I fit? It sort of opens up your, your archetypes a little bit. Maybe everybody has their sweet spots, but you can try. There's nothing wrong with trying for this character over here, that character over there. There's thousands and thousands of audio dramas. And I think this is the medium to really experiment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely blowing up and we, we we have access to there are so many people getting into voice acting since the pandemic because of the accessibility of it and how with a little bit of equipment and a little bit of um it's a little bit of investment you can very easily do it you know we were talking about how it really only takes 100 200 to get a low level entry set up right enough that you can be on smaller uh, audio fiction and then you can work your way up and it's the barrier of entry is really like you could. Okay, can I borrow your microphone to audition for these roles? Like it's that mm -hmm. easy. We were talking with Larry Groby, who does like basically. And Kai, I need to put you in touch with Larry mm. um, because he they literally do live. Um, it's recorded, but uh, they're all together in one call, and they do an entire live play in one shot with Foley, Foley as their voice acting. It's amazing uh, what he does. Crazy. They're like, we want this to feel like a stage play or an old school radio play where everyone's around a single microphone and performing in one shot. And um, and, and we, and he he said like, yeah, we grew up in these old school microphones um, and things like that. This was not accessible. Uh, hardware to get to to have access yeah. to anything that could record in any decent quality was thousands of dollars like then um so kai and i had an idea earlier it's like oh let's do an all vintage f and show off <laughs> only vintage equipment and then i learned that even a cheap refurbished microphone from that era is twenty five hundred dollars and said maybe yeah. <laughs> we don't need to spend you know 10 grand on an f and show off but <laughs> um but that you just should do a filter that <laughs> Like, yeah. what is it? Who is it? Ty Coker. They have like a bazillion filters. Like, yes. I bet you they have one that'll make you automatically sound like you're from that area. <laughs> uh, I was actually, I brought up Ty in specific earlier um, when Hannah and I were talking with Larry about uh, teamwork at a distance, voice, right? Voice mod. Thank you, Benoit. Yes. Vocoders and voice, voice mods and all that good stuff. Um, we were talking about how uh, when Ty turned on the. Um, the telepathic communication with mortal or well with harper i don't think mortal was actually there um and it took everyone by surprise um but like being able to do that live like with just some probably free software or some cheap mm -hmm. software that that also just shows you that like you can do so much with so little yeah. now um it's truly an amazing thing, industry go ahead yeah one one thing to say is that with the pandemic and the rise of voice actors if you are looking for actors or looking to be an actor in audio drama the standards have risen significantly from when i was in i literally was on my first my first not the first one I did because Splintered Caravan was recorded in studio and we had mm. four microphones set up and they were like all road and we were actually acting across from each other and it was crazy. Um, but the first one I did that was digital was like on my laptop mic in like they didn't care about the area. They only cared about the mm. performance. And now it's like we want broadcast quality studios. We want to make yeah. sure that you're blah, blah, blah. So like they're the as far as gatekeeping goes from the actor's perspective, 
you can't I've seen very few audio dramas, even the lower level ones that are like US allow USB mics anymore. It's like mm-hmm. low level XLR is fine, but it's like XLR wow. microphone. Um yeah, I know, I know. And there's still like, some that do, but like <laughs> I think uh, as like I mean that's just fucking that's really bizarre. <laughs> like yeah, USB but, mics are great, like are fine. Like, yeah. It's because of no, it's okay. It's because there's so many more people. It cuts down mm. on it's gatekeeping. It's intentional gatekeeping. Oh, it's shit. it's yeah. like oh, I don't want to have two thousand auditions for this role. Well, XLR mm. only. Well, now you're gonna get six hundred instead of two thousand. Yeah, because now not everyone can do it. And so I I have noticed that rise sharply over the last two years because of the pandemic. Um, and then I had upgraded by that point for my commercial work. So I was like, mm. I'm still good, but I feel really bad because to me, audio dramas were the entry point to character work. And so I feel like now I don't, I tell people, I tell my students and I tell everybody who can, I was like, skip the USB mic stage if you can, like mm. just go to XLR because you can get a decent XLR setup for like $200. You can get a hundred dollar mic and a hundred dollar preamp. And like you're okay. Like for I was gonna say, they sell like Scarlet two i twos or Scarlet solos with AT twenty twenties, like as a literal official package. Often between the two companies mm-hmm. for like a hundred fifty bucks, and that's yes. like wow. And like, that's a good. And that's good. Yeah. It's a good starter setup. And, like, and so but- I, and you were saying that like the more people get into it, there is this like the barrier of entry is starting to rise. Um, but also the te- as technology is increasing what is acceptable becomes less and less, you know, I think less and less expensive. Like in 182020, you can often snag mm. brand new for on sale for 70 bucks. And that is a great quality microphone for when you're starting off like this. I mean, I bought, yeah, I have five of them now for my actual play stuff and a nice shotgun mic. I mean, the shotgun mic was more expensive, but yeah. So mm. as that barrier of entry gets higher, it it is probably going to be more expensive. I just think that's like really like a, sh- a shame though i don't know I, it kind of it's it doesn't feel it doesn't feel good that like i mean as as someone that is so madly in love with sound i feel like i i if you gave me two recordings and one was recorded on say like the blue yeti and one was recorded on like a, i mean i can maybe tell the difference but i couldn't like if i'd listened to them say five minutes apart i probably wouldn't be able to like say there was any major difference if like when i, I got um i did some like beta testing for uh focus right um a while back uh, and and they sent this mic and I sort of compared it to this one. This is a, an XLR compared to this uh, Rode NT USB kind of thing. Um, and I also found that this I, I I like really had to like line up two of the same recordings, me saying the same thing to really tell a major difference. I have found that at least in my respect that like as long as there's no background noise, it's it's kind of fine. Like I've had especially when you know I've had actors that have just recorded on their iPhones and stuff, and it's been it's like with enough like filtering and stuff, it's usually okay. Um, but maybe that's just me, kind of my personal taste. I'm sure some people just want to have it as like a consistent level of things, but I feel like I I don't like that it kind of is is being restricted in that way. Especially you know if if you really want to get into it. But I mean, what did you, what did you say? It was like 200 for the interface and the microphone, right? Whereas I think yeah, that... or like 150 to 200 for like those entry level XLR setups, and sure. and that's not that's not too bad when you consider what's out there but yeah. for some people that's that is an unfathomable fathomable mm. amount of money depending on their living situation yeah so definitely 
um, I, I do look at other oh. industries and, and and even by comparison it's it is nice that like you know you can get in for a hundred to two hundred dollars where like let's say you wanted to be a youtuber and vlogger like yeah i mean yeah, yeah. get a camera and then yeah. the microphone things like that if you wanted to do 3d art and 3d animation like hey you need a computer that's probably at least 1200 dollars, probably more 3d animation is very can be very taxing yeah. on the system <laughs> mm-hmm. and i look at other entertainment um, industries and i i and even though the the price the barrier of entry for audio fiction is rising um compared to a lot of other things like oh i want to be a digital artist well you need a computer or an ipad possibly with a yeah. with uh you know i have a i have a drawing tablet here that was decent and but i have a computer that's attached to you well i don't have a good computer that can handle art programs i need an ipad that's several yeah. hundred dollars you know and that's 2d and- art Kai, you said something that I think is Mm. very pertinent in that the standards across the board. I was on a project recently where everybody had XLR mics and there was one person who had a USB mic. And then when you listened to the final product, you could tell the difference. And I'm wondering if that's what it was, if part Mm. of it was standardization. It's, It's a standardization to try to achieve the closest level of audio collaboratively. Yeah. Uh, oh, it, 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 it could have been. There's a number. You know how audio works. There's a number of factors that could have gone into why this one individual's track yeah. was not up to the same level as everyone else. Right. But it did make the whole production sound a little cheaper mm. because, like, why does that guy sound crazy and like everybody else sounds clear? You right. know? Yeah. And, and, and even like. Even like there's there's just good mic etiquette, right? For getting consistent sound, this sounds much better than this, right? This sounds yeah. echoey, and yeah. even though I can raise my voice or turn up the gain, you're gonna get more background noise. Like this is just going to sound better. So sorry if I mm-hmm. any rumbling from moving my XLR around, but uh, my XLR, my gatekeeping XLR. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here with the Neumann, like just front and center. In oh. the- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> just flexing a little bit here. <laughs> I just I need a, like another microphone, like one that I can keep off screen, like a like a shotgun, so that I don't have to do this every time I'm on camera. It's embar- It's honestly embarrassing. I'm not trying to be like blah like <laughs> right because you're like this is going to bring attention that i i don't want to bring attention like don't i need oh, to bring attention. i get it <laughs> that's why i dyed my hair actually so no one looks at the microphone <laughs> honestly I, i'm fun. really digging it you got out of the military you're like i can have fun hair now yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i just want to dress as a clown in the back of your uh, studio to just do little dances the whole time you're talking and then no one's gonna notice that <laughs> oh, so- we're gonna but go on, please, Tony. Please oh, no. save me. I was gonna bring up another side of like accessing and gatekeeping that I hadn't considered until our last panel, um, which was about mm. non-English podcasts and um, the kind of general consensus. Um, I wish we, I wish we could have had Lori Martinez there because uh, she does English uh, and French um, um, podcasts mm. uh, in both languages she had to cancel like last minute um so david makes um dos after you in both english and spanish we talked a little about him um already and the reason for it is us because in english it reaches a much larger audience like it's only yeah. like to make a podcast only in your native language is almost going to inherently limit the amount of people that you have access to and maybe mm. in spanish it's not 
not as apparent as it was for our other guest, Aline, who um, um, is, um, is Flannish and Dutch. Um, so, and, and she would never make her podcast um, in Dutch or anything like that because the amount of people can have access to, mm. and also where she's from, they don't. There, it's not a society like societally very um, accepting of high fantasy, which is what they do. It would literally yeah. fall on deaf on on deaf ears in a lot of cases where they wouldn't even be accepted. Mm. So they were like, "Well, there's no point of us making this in." Um, this you know the in yeah. in non English, um, and I thought that was a very interesting perspective. And I even asked Rebecca, um, who is with us, about um, why she doesn't do her um, uh, do be not afraid in Swedish. And for yeah. her, it was more like I don't like Swedish that much as a, a as a language compared to English, and it's. I, I find it like the still, of writing, yeah. Yeah, I don't really enjoy writing in in Swedish, um, and so mm. she intentionally designed "Be Not Afraid" to be for an English audience. And I thought that was like very, very interesting. And yeah, um, to make that choice. Yeah, man, I hadn't, I hadn't considered that. I know that's why I was like, mm-hmm. wow, that, that gives me a, a kind of an interesting, another interesting it's... subject to talk about. Yeah, because also, like, it's not like English is the only one that historically has had audio-based stories either. Because, like, I mean, isn't there's a massive German, um, like, radio play scene, right? Horspiel, isn't it? Um, that oh. basically was, like, the the big sort of, like, start for it. Or, like, at least within, like, Europe and stuff. So I think that between, sort of, like, the BBC. But then I feel like that was a big thing in Germany. So it's, it's interesting that then audio drama has had... But I guess it's it's we're, we're sort of in the Western world, whereas... You know, this sort of Western, what's the word for it? Like, um, oh, fucking hell, I've forgotten the name for it. Um, like Global North kind of thing where we have this kind of opportunity and time and, and stuff. And, and like, it just has formed around that entertainment-wise. Um, English yeah, is such an know. invasive language. Like, That's you know, the thing, yeah. T- talking to yeah. All, all three of them, um, uh, David, Rebecca, and Aline, they can't get away from English. You know, I can go yeah. months without hearing another language mm. you know i'm in i'm in florida i hear a lot of spanish when i go out because we have a very heavy uh, um caribbean um islander population so um i hear a lot of puerto rican dominican and and i hear spanish everywhere i go and i always have i grew up mm. i was born and raised here but i could go months without hearing anyone speak french or or yeah or you know german or chinese and like the, the language i hear most is japanese because i'm a nerd and play a lot of japanese video games and watch anime like that is the yeah. most common language I hear. But just like, yeah. But with, of like everyday life. I have, a, I have a wonderful segue to bring this back into gatekeeping too. Sure. So like yes. I work with a company out of Japan and I work with a company out of India, which is mm. one of the reasons why I don't always think about this because there are other cultures out there that there is the stuff that I am doing in English has already been done in Japanese for this Japanese com- uh, mm. company. And the japanese listeners like the will sometimes also listen to the english channel but you're also capturing this completely different audience that wouldn't have listened mm. to the japanese channel uh and the indian company i work for is ju- just doing the stories in english and is doing other stories in hindi um just so that it i'm not sure why i'm not sure if there's a cultural significance to the stories 
that they really should be told by an Indian national mm. rather than another, uh, like an American or what have you. But uh, I hadn't thought about it because I was like, oh, I assumed everyone was doing this from every country because <laughs> um, that's been my personal experience. But I have noticed English language podcasts putting a big kibosh on people that have natural foreign accents. Like you mm. can speak English and you can even the character could even be maybe like, say, Chinese American and someone with a Chinese accent, maybe like a natural accent, might audition and be eliminated because they were looking for someone with a clear North American accent. That's something and, I'm really proud of. And that's something I've noticed suits. a lot. I think in supersuits, I'm very proud of us because we have a lot of different voices and accents from all over the place. You know, we have the, uh, and this kind of goes into a greater point of that we we had mentioned during the last one of, um, it's very common for us in television to see foreign media translated into English. It's not, we don't, but we have the luxury of subtitles to give the visual aid that we mm. can enjoy it in its native language, where in podcasting, if I wanted to listen yeah. to a really, really good Germanic radio play, uh, German radio play, I wouldn't know what's going on because I have, if I'm on a commute mm. driving in my car or like, right. even yeah. if I'm sitting here, if there's not English right. transcripts or English subtitles, I wouldn't be able to do so. And most podcast players don't have a good transcript system. The only one that I know of it, uh, Captivate when you put in a transcript and you listen to it on the Captivate website or use the Captivate player, which is what we're going to switch the entire Faustian Nonsense website to is being is using mm. Captivate's specific embedded player because the transcripts pop up and you can follow them. So, oh, cool. oh yeah. that's great. So if there was that's a... great. I always think about the deaf community too. I always yeah. feel like deaf community Ooh. should be able to enjoy Wait. the stories that are in audio dramas and mm -hmm. that's sometimes difficult if no one's writing the transcripts out right so all of our shows for the most part have english transcripts but the thing is in spotify like they don't pop up on screen so we put them in the in the in the descriptions of the video or of the the entry itself but it's only so long and it gets cut off at the bottom so you don't get the Ooh. whole thing corn <laughs> no just did the last the end of the link for some reason i don't know oh. why it would I thought it there's said a, I thought it a... said corn not com and I was just like thank you Kai very <laughs> profound. <laughs> there's a there's an audio drama creator called Caroline Minx who oh. does a um a a uh, audio drama called Seen and Not Heard which is about like late um deafness like l later in life uh, and it's very very like interesting and um she, uh, they talk a lot about uh like the deaf community within like audio drama and like how important transcripts are and stuff so if you know I, I don't think I'm necessarily qualified but they are amazing. Yeah, really, really good. I believe Caroline yeah. worked, uh, or no, David knows Caroline very well. And, yeah. And Caroline was actually going to be at the um, the listen party, um, but had to cancel last minute. It was, I was very looking forward mm. to meeting them. Um, it's funny how small this growing yeah. uh, podcast world yeah. can be. Um, yeah, I, I would I would love that there's more opportunities to involve more um international influence into podcasts and i think that you know there's one instance that we have in super suits off the top of my head and that's the whole captain cowboy and paul's character i forget his name um oh my god brilliant uh, the, the 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 gaelic uh, argument um yeah, and i would love for there to be transcripts of 
Because they're trying to mm. be like, I can speak Gaelic better than you. I still remember. No, I can speak it better. <laughs> and they're just yelling random gibberish in Gaelic because they don't actually both don't remember. I would love <laughs> that there is a translation for that available that you can follow along on um, Spotify or something like that to see what sort of random nouns they're throwing at each other. <laughs> but I, I do think that your podcast is the exception, not the rule. I do think mm. that a lot of podcasts are in some way almost in a almost in a businessy way because they're wanting to reach the widest audience are not considering as many people who have foreign accents mm -hmm. I, and i don't mm. i don't know if that's right or wrong i just it's a it's a trend i've noticed and yeah so they i do think it, it is a gatekeeping -y kind of thing yeah they, they specifically don't want people with different accents as opposed like other than like english and american is that what you're saying right Sorry. Right. Yeah. Okay. Like it'll say, what? essentially it'll say North American accented English Man. and you go, oh, okay. Um, Cause if you look at North America, that <laughs> there's a lot of regional accents, but what they mean is no regional accents. Like this is a neutralized, what I'm speaking in right now is a neutralized accent. My okay. native accent is New Jersey. Well, it's more like mm. Long Island, but like Cole Castillo's accent is how I grew up speaking. Mm -hmm. And sure. this is what I have learned in order to reach the widest audience because this is what gets me cast more than if i was walking up if i was walking up with my accent to everything like nobody's gonna listen <laughs> nobody's gonna cast me it's gonna be harder to do high <laughs> fantasy that's just such a shame though i don't know i find that so tragic i feel like it just is really annoying that like you have to not be i mean you know you have to like yeah. change up for that sucks. Well, we, we can that, tell actually, you love I, Cole so much because you get to be your... You really are just Aaron Lundquist in the show, aren't you? It's, if I was a lawyer, like if I, instead of doing all the stuff that I did, then I was Long Island Galadriel is the goal. I'm telling you. So I want to do a Lord of the Rings retelling, but it's like the boroughs. <laughs> Are oh the different my races. That's all. <laughs> I, I have pitched this so many times now. I think I can get funding. But but for real, um, I had a professor tell me in college that what I was saying was very profound. I went to essentially it was like a philosophy college, and what I was saying was very profound. However, people were not going to take me seriously as long as I had that accent. And that it would behoove me to reach more people with the brilliance that I have. And it was very nice of him to say this. He was trying to not be like, you sound like an idiot. But, but I've talked to other students who mm. are from Kentucky, who are from Tennessee, who have been told similar, similar things. That, like, you are an intelligent person, but, you you know, there's a, there's a, uh, a, a casting stigma of what you're going to play if you maintain this accent. Like, I'm yeah. really good at playing mobsters with this one, but am I going to be yeah. Galadriel? No. Then no one's going to cast me as Galadriel. Oh, my God. It's this the, is the, the second is time like... we brought up Galadriel in this, in this, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened more than once, that kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely have that. I mean, I think it, there's almost a perfect parallel here of, like, you know, British accent, whatever the fuck that means. Like, British, it's, right. It's, it's, <laughs> What does that mean? This which first of all, which country, and then which part of which? Even in Wales, there's like four or five different accents, even depending on like towns. And then you have like Scotland, Northern Ireland, and then in fucking England, it's like, you know. Um, and so like when you I, when you hear the phrase British accent, it's like, 
man even within london it's like four or five different ones it's it's, it's insane mm-hmm. um but like the yeah in the same way that like, right like the london youth now essentially is classified as a different accent there's like a sort yeah. of a new vibe to it like it's, it just keeps growing <laughs> yeah I, th- I think well because because it's guess because there's so many different people coming in like in terms of from different cultures and stuff and bringing new accents and new phrases as well like, i wish i could remember the name of it but there's like the specific slang used in london which is just taking from every single different community that's here because everybody just goes to the same like secondary schools um and so it's just like all all, all mixed up like that um but yeah i think i think in the same way that like so people from say like sheffield might get cast uh, you know get typecast because of their accent they then have to do receive pronunciation which is like newscaster kind of queen's english type shit um which i just i find so wrong and frustrating that you can't have like a a villain with a northern accent or at least you know like maybe like a scouser could have like but like why why not it's it's just like i don't know what's the the fucking like west country cornish accent the way that um or the way that uh uh, samwise gamgee speaks you can't have a villain that talks like that because people will just like (laughs) take the piss do you know what i mean but why yeah i do it's the same that's the equivalent that's Mm. the equivalent of this weird new york Chicago people yeah. with Chicago accents, people with Boston accents get the same. Like the people who did it great is uh, Elden Ring does lo- loads of regional accents. Like mm-hmm. they like one of them like uh, bosses has like a Cornish accent, which is just so unheard of. That is that Gideon? Have this horrible. Oh no, uh, no, 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 no the guy, um, He's got a regional accent. Uh, the guy um, oh, who he like uh, grafts a dragon onto his arm. What's his name again? Oh, uh, Godric. Yeah, or yeah, God Godric, free? Like, I don't fucking... remember. There's too many God, God yeah, too suffix many but like, characters. Yeah, regional accents. I just, I, I'm so happy to see, and it's, it's just, yeah, it breaks my heart that people can't just like talk, just like in a, in any other way, but like the mm-hmm. standard. And I think, right. I don't know, it sucks. That shit. is very, <laughs> that is very gatekeepy. I mean, we, we were talking about this in Dishonored, like. Why is it oh, yeah. British so inherently described as it's like <laughs> it's like oh it's Victorian that means well. this is like, well <laughs> why, why, yeah, why a, are English people always the villains that's historically or in panel. media colonizers yeah yeah look at you colonizer and I me think, as an American yeah. like <laughs> yeah no, my father like son nothing wrong <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely no issues here nothing bad ever happened between them so, uh, so yeah, what, what is America. the what is the Eng- i'm a british accent the english accent that's like that people always make fun of for like having the 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 real bad teeth and like they they talk oh, just real gut real gut cockney cockney that's that's like yeah like cockney kind of uh east london uh working working class accents which i find i find that sort of i prefer it when they mock posh people because when i hear like people go oh what it's like that's a that's that's working class people you take the piss off and they already do that the posh people already do that so right. like i prefer to hear like i'd rather see people take the piss out of like you know ruling class kind of royalty shit because they're scum they're all i mean yeah yeah but like yeah. you know we automatically associate that accent fuck to the family that's another example of of <laughs> yeah fuck the world uh, um, <laughs> of relating an accent to a kind of personality or like tropes right yeah. like we hear that and Definitely. it's it's associated with lower class or lesser intelligent yeah. like people when people talk in why do the orcs all talk like that <laughs> why are <laughs> the elves really posh do you know what i mean Ooh, like, it's just so... you're not oh tolkien well i don't know if tolkien Talk designed that that's a, that yeah. might be a peter jackson thing but i don't think yeah, they talk like this <laughs> they're all dumb and stupid and talk like that Holy and all fuck. the elves are really posh Whereas, like, it feels, I mean, historically, I feel like 
you know. Yeah. Don't you know every elf is, is just villains. Orlando Bloom? Come on. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So yeah. Banani just Banani said, "Don't get him started yeah. on Black Sense." And um, I had a very interesting experience recently in a commercial workshop that um, there was a script that was clearly written for a Black Scent, <laughs> and it was assigned to a Black actor. And he did it in a, a traditional commercial read sort of way, which is just casual conversation in a neutral North American accent. Mm-hmm. And so without trying to be racist, this this director struggled so hard to be like, no, 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 you know, like you're talking to someone but you're at the club <laughs> or like, but you're, and it's like this white woman. And I just was like, oh, you're no, just cringing you are so hard, so hard <laughs> to be like, because you're like, just be you. And he was like, this is. This is me. I don't understand. <laughs> I was like, oh my oh, god, fuck. Right, because like you monster. <laughs> <laughs> because even <laughs> in in um, other communities, there are regional accents. Like 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 Southern Alabama or like Atlanta. Like there are regional accents for like mm. African American communities too. Like it's. You know, it's not one size fit all. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. It's not no. not funny like haha, but it's just like that's like it, no, it leads not to funny, ignorant, like cringy. It, yeah, it leads <laughs> to ignorant Jesus, situations man. like that, right? I I do hope that director went home and like considered her life. Really thought about it. <laughs> um, well, because the the there is a huge people of global majority by POC community out there that is really fighting for as far as accessing and gatekeeping goes, uh, getting people to open up to, especially in voice acting and an audio medium, that Mm. if you fit the character and if this is the spirit of the character and whatever someone sounds like isn't going to detract from your story, you don't think it's going to distract your your audience or what have you, that they they should play them. You're seeing a lot more Black, uh, Latino... I'm sorry, black, Latinx, um, different uh, representation in anime now that wasn't mm. there before because they are fit. People are fitting the characters mm-hmm. and it doesn't mm. matter what they look like behind the microphone. So uh, I do think that audio dramas on a whole have been more accepting, but I, I just hope that it can grow even further to maybe include more people who might have a little bit of that natural yeah. accent. If it's not distracting from your story, like maybe they just have a slight Chinese accent now, or maybe mm. they just have a slight whatever. And you know, How, I don't see a lot as, of Texan elves, but yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I I wonder like how someone doing a casting call let's say me because i do want to do this wants people to to apply that have a, a, you know you want i want a r- wide range of accents in season two because it's you know it's sci-fi and it's in the future why does everyone either sound like a londoner or like north american do you know what i mean like i feel like i want that you know more variety how how do i go about doing a casting call where i anybody just applies with their accent like without having to do what is considered the standard do i like have to make a massive point or can i just put in the thing any accent or do you think i have to say people you will have to specify you will have to specify because if you say any people are going to go immediately to british or north american (laughs) so i definitely would say um all accents considered example and you can start just listing examples um 
Yeah. Because like like use you can even be like use your we want to hear your voice like list some okay. examples be like we want to hear your voice and then I have seen recently some very few very 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 few casting calls but I was like oh I know what they mean they mean like I'm really free like for real I'm really free to give a different take on this like mm. I just did an an Irish angel there was an angel that was like essentially a really strict nun character and I was mm. like. I kind of want to make her like an Irish nun. I kind of <laughs> think that this would be great. And I don't believe I was cast for this project. <laughs> but I felt the freedom and I had the fun bringing that character to life. Okay. So, yeah, make, make, a, make a big point of it because I guess you have to undo or move past the barrier that people have put up in their own heads of like, I have to do this particular. Okay. That's I, good to know. I, I wonder they how don't really Amy, mean it. I, I wonder how Amy and Jackie and Hannah, when they were considering who to cast, we talked a little bit about the casting process with Hannah earlier uh, in an earlier panel. Um, but, you know, we have a wide range of voices and accents. You know, I think of Sabine. Um, we have mm -hmm. Paul, Paul Hikari, and we have mm -hmm. various people from England. We have Paul and Kieran Walsh, who have, I think, uh, well, I think they're both from Cork. Or sorry, not Cork. Not Cork. They're from Waterford. It's a very important distinction. With, oh, the, the Irish accents, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with the Irish accent, you know. Because also, you know... Oh, I thought you were talking about Paul Hikari, who has a slight Japanese-American accent. And yeah. I, I was really excited sorry, to sorry. see him on the project. Paul Walsh. Um, yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> but, uh, no, Paul Hikari um, is, you know, is in Super Suits as well. And was um, and we have... Oh, there goes Kai. Did Kai drop fully? Or? Oh, no. Oh. I'm actually oh, going to check to see if I still have the... Oh, no, in my drive, I might still have the casting call. Because I feel like they said any and all... I think uh, they pretty much in encourage everyone to kind of use their natural welcome. voices, too. Because, like, we have Kaz, and Kaz, uh, I believe, is uh, from France. So we have this, like, really awesome, diverse voice cast. And we have mm -hmm. the, the luxury of having an over 50 character voice cast that we can have a lot of international voices Ooh. and i do wish we got to lean more into the native languages of some of our yeah. um, international um casting but again there's that barrier of like well if we have a part that's in french i had a, a how character. are we going to deal with that for those who don't speak french you know what i mean how are I, we going to have them I, understand i had a character in an episode that um was like an ai that had been crash landed in this weird sort of in between space and then the personalities had been like fractured because they've been there for so long and then one of them exclusively spoke in french and i got like the voice actor to just like say all the lines in french and i don't think i don't think i translated it even in the transcripts i just thought it would be like really like just really interesting if it was just you, this is it this is how this is what adam is experiencing at the same time and i've also floated around the idea to do a welsh language only episode of chain of being that i know no one will listen to but i think just as a kind of like yeah other languages get spoken and this is for you the, the people that speak welsh because it's a language that has been consistently like put down by by english by the english by westminster of like don't speak this language it makes you stupid that is a thing that they said um Such and so like old language yeah though. they were Jesus. like it may, yeah it makes you dumber and like it, it could be swapped out for bestial howls i think was the exact like <gasps> quote oh my god um, yeah i know this, this was in like the 1800s but the the right. kind of attitude persists and so i think to do an entirely welsh language episode of this uh sci-fi show i think would just be a kind of like you know fuck you only welsh kind of like yeah so it more, I guess, more as like an art protest thing, but like, really, de yeah, I would really like to do that at some point. But I think I think having more languages, and more accents is good because I mean, like you said, Tony, you know, how often do you hear French spoken? I think it's good to 
these are other languages that people speak in the world and i think it's a really good opportunity you know to just do that um which i'd quite like to yeah that's that's i mean that's you know my own approach obviously people have different artistic um uh words approach um, i said approach already approach. But... yeah that's that's fine yeah yeah, Art- yeah artistic like uh, ideas about what they want it to end up looking like um yeah so it's it's kind of it does depend on the project that you're doing and, and what you want out of it but I think, yeah, I think I'm going to, I think I like the idea of just like, here's another language and, you know, sometimes you don't understand and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, again, that is just my perspective on things, but yeah. I love it. I love languages. I do too. Me too. That's sick. <laughs> it was very interesting being the only uh, mono language person in the last panel too and hearing kind of all these different experiences with, them. I'm really glad Rebecca mm-hmm. got to join us and, and speak from experience. Uh, something I learned that was very interesting from Aline is, when they got to university to learn English, they actually got to choose if they wanted UK English or states language. Wow! And and both her and her husband chose um, UK. So the 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 way they write and things like that um, are more are more modeled after the um, UK English, hmm. which obviously I'm you know from place to place you know there's different expressions things like that i mean she even said that yeah you go 10 minutes one direction you get a different accent where, where she's from as well uh i know that's the yeah. case in england like an english accent is such a blanket term and i, yeah. I think i'm guilty of that when i think of an english accent um maybe it's just because i've interacted with you so much but like the london you, you, you have a specific word for it what is it uh it's it's southern england specifically like london reading area like reading. it's kind of okay. like it's like just above and like but then i do i do say certain words like a south londoner and i also say certain words like a northerner because my dad's welsh so then i will say things like glass instead of glass and like um Mm. path instead of path and all these sort of you know slight slight changes that where it's all like combined together just you know there was a there was a really good like i think it was the new york new york times is that a thing new york times Mm -hmm. Times, that's the thing yeah um, they they did a uh, uh, somehow a, a UK uh, like survey thing where you would answer all these questions about how you answer different or how you would say different uh, words and phrases and what what you would call things and what do you call tap water what do you call this insect kind of thing and then it would pinpoint where your accent was from and it was really fascinating because it would it would get you down to the town like my dad did it and he had mostly North Wales obviously and then just the tiniest bit in South Wales that his great grandmother was from. That somehow the accent had persisted down through the generations like mine is obviously heavily london reading my mum was born in sort of uh, or, or like is from like around bristol area the tiniest bit there and then the tiniest bit in north wales just because of the way i say things and the, uh, the, the word that i call my grandmother um is, is the welsh word for it so it really managed to pinpoint exactly where your accent was from i found that so fascinating that it's like uh what's that fucking film um is it my fair lady where you can like listen to someone and like point out where they're from or is that oh is that, in that film Mm-hmm. I, I just know yeah, that that's a thing in that film. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And not only that, um, that is, I think, why when they say, like, British accent, what people, what actors, American actors assume is you want British mm. RP as in BBC English, like, not even yeah. a real, not really even widely spoken yeah. in, the, in the country. But um, that's what what generally we will give. That's what most mm. of us are trained in with formal accent training including myself like i'm i'm guilty of that too like i've been the only accent i've gone out of my way to get formally trained in was british english english um i'm sorry british rp uh Mm. and then the irish thing was an accident (laughs) (laughs) that was like it was great it was just there was a character that i fell in love with and i was like 
I think I have this. And the whole production <laughs> company was Irish. And so yeah. they were like, they thought I was putting on a North American accent, but I really had an, an Irish accent. Good. I was like, that's some oh, good compliments. <laughs> yeah, that is a, that's a badge of honor. Fooled you, but then ever since then I've been trying to use my Irish accent other places because I was like, I know I have this, but no one, everyone wants British RP. I go, okay, yeah. never mind. Yeah. Well, it's also like American accent is that neutral is this neutral, neutral voice, and I don't know how I probably say certain things Southern because I grow up, but I mean like I, I think most of the English we speak in Central Florida is pretty neutral. How would you all describe my accent? I feel like every once in a while I dip into like some southern i'll be honest you two sound like you have the same accent to me okay yeah. i don't know if that's i was true. gonna say yeah, you okay. sound like you have the same accent to I, me I, as I, well i i think okay. i have a tendency it's funny when i used to visit my family in uh, alabama and mississippi i'd come back and for two weeks i would just be fucking talking mm -hmm. like them I'm like oh god i i need yeah. to get out of this <laughs> i need to stop i don't want to be made fun of at school <laughs> i find my my dad when we go up to visit north wales he starts talking with a very sort of like his 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 north welsh accent gets heavier when we're up there and like he'll sort of you know i mean i can't do weirdly enough i can't do one even though i've been going there since i was like so so little but um yeah no i i um but i love the accent you, know, you get, like accents that just make you so comfortable i feel so i feel like i could just i'm so relaxed when i hear people speak it like welsh and also the north welsh accent it's just so but it's a childhood thing like i don't think it's a quality of the accent itself it's just nostalgia but mm -hmm. yeah it's beautiful i love it but yeah but Ani said something very interesting about Chinese dramas and they dub over their actors with a neutral Chinese dialect. And I wonder what that oh. is because, like, um, the two biggest languages are Cantonese, or the two biggest dialects are uh, Mandarin and Cantonese. Um, and there's a ton of, I don't know if you've ever seen, um, like, Chinese dialects written out. There's, like, numbers and shit involved because it has to do with your inflection mm. of a syllable and your pitch and tone. It's it's a tonal language it and is. so the tone the exact tone that you're using you could say the same words but it will yeah. it will completely change the meaning based off of your tone mm -hmm. so like uh notation when written in um like roman letters like, roman lettering so specific it, yeah it's like it's this and then there's like a number to correlate to the pitch and the tone of it it's Gosh. super and i and i read a bit about that on, so on cool. reddit um you talked about how um <laughs> like depending on where you're from you say things different and in the u.s we have a big one is it soda is it pop is everything a coke like soda yeah soda <laughs> like, sodi pop so yeah sodi, yeah yeah like that is different you just go up the coast and like yeah. every state it, it could vary just from state to state chinese mm. as i understand has a lot of regional dialects so they use um, the neutral one for ease of listening to more people yeah that sounds about right i know there's a lot of chinese dialects i don't know of a lot of them yeah I i'm struggling to think of the, th the third one that's really big there's mandarin and cantonese um I well think those are those are different languages the dialect is like you can say mandarin but the actual regional mm. oh. accent will sound different to right different gotcha people. okay maybe I, I misunderstood that then because i think you're you're very correct yeah chinese is not a language right um it is right. a very it's a collection of uh, several hmm. different um languages mm -hmm. and dialects that's so cool though yeah um yeah it's, it's also kind of cool that but, like in japanese has like a kanji depending on how it's used can mean it can be the mm. exact same kanji but how it's used changes the yeah um the intention of it um 
I wonder if a barrier to entry into audio dramas to thinking still about foreign languages and stuff, and maybe this was part of the last panel, so maybe you can you can eliminate this, is for people who are have English as a second language but want to create English language podcasts and audio dramas. I'm wondering mm. how much difficulty, or if there is any, to getting into the world. So I asked David um, about this uh, because he does do it in both languages. Aline pretty much only does English because there's no use for um, um, a language in her in her native languages or in um, Dutch. Um, David speaks English very naturally. Um, and I was like, well, when you go to write it, do you think in Spanish and write in mm. English? Do you think in English, write in Spanish? How, how does it work? And he literally said that it really just depends on what he's saying. If it's a more expressive thing or if it's more of a, um, it really, he said it really just depended. Sometimes he writes in a very specific way, Spanish first for certain characters because their voice actor is stronger in Spanish or English. And so they oh. do it first. And so it's really, really, really fascinating. Uh, when it's up, I, I'll send it to you so you can go back and review it. Because there's a lot of really, really interesting things that David said about that. And he said it really, it, a lot of times when he's writing, it's in Spanglish. Like it, he switches back and forth or he's like, can't quite oh, recall. Yeah, he can't quite um, write it out in English how he wants it to feel. So he will switch to Spanish and then switch back over to English for dialogue. It's really fascinating. Um, so hmm. the answer to that question is yes. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, uh, well, it is a barrier. It is a barrier, but not necessarily one that can't be like overcome. Mm -hmm. And Aline yeah. is so comfortable with mm -hmm. English that when she is writing in English, she doesn't have to think in Flemish and, um, and, um, and then translate to English. She can just write in English. But when she's getting ready to, uh, uh, write in Dutch or whatever the case is, she will kind of switch her brain back over so for her she goes into different kind of modes where david it's just kind of whatever back is first yeah. on his brain is super cool that was one of my big questions That's for him too um do you but... do you speak any other languages Aaron? oh golly so yes um i am fluent in russian but now that i am fluent in russian i've lost the ability to speak in the other like four languages that I knew. So I can still read and understand right. the S Spanish. I can still translate Spanish, but when I try yeah. to speak it back, it comes out in Russian. And just because my brain automatically switches to like this, it's because I was a military linguist or mm. Russian language. And the way okay. they teach you the language, it literally takes over your brain. There were many years afterwards that I spoke English at a lower level because I wow. thought in Russian 24/7. So I was translating my own brain even though I'm like English is my first language, essentially Russian became my language and wow. I was translating. So I was sort of for about 5 or 6 years English was felt like my second language and yeah. I, it was very frustrating because there were words like I once forgot for a week I forgot the word for refrigerator. It, mm. I I remember holodilnik in Russian and I was like what is this word like i forgot the english word and it's so silly uh it's not silly it, it was an interesting way to to learn but yeah. i can read french um uh i know ancient greek this is from college i know ancient greek latin all these useful languages <laughs> uh spanish which i can still understand 
um yeah. and i could type back slowly but like because i'm yeah. tra essentially translating russian into spanish it's freaking weird and then um it's bizarre that's so cool <laughs> yeah and then uh yeah english but if there's a script so for example if someone gives me a spanish script i can read it i can read it <laughs> Yeah, but if you give me an English script and say, "Okay, say this in Spanish," I'll be like, "I need, I need time." Yeah, for this. Sure. I actually need. So you have a pen and paper <laughs> that I can write this out. So I can't dub in a lot of other languages either. Um, I do. I haven't experimented with dubbing in Russian. I, I with Cyrillic, I could certainly do it transliterated, but yeah. I don't. I would have to check to see my speed. But um, I, yeah, it was. It's been. It's been. It's been an adventure. I've had a weird life. <laughs> I think Daisy would be really interesting to talk to because uh, Daisy does do a lot of professional work in both English and Spanish. And I'd be interested to hear kind of her experiences with taking on various creative projects. Does she often get casted for both English and Spanish for the same part? Um, I'd be very been, interested. I should have reached out to her. I've been very Spanglish. I've done very, many Spanglish characters. I've done many Russish characters um, where, where it's like English with some spice uh, <laughs> from whichever language that I've done. But um, I am not able to do a French accent, so I am not even going to try to do my French. I literally, I learned it for translation. Also in college, I, I had studied French for translation for poetry. So that like yeah. that was what we had studied <laughs> so i can read it but i can't really like it's not conversational french yeah wow i like how this uh the, the previous panel uh ended up giving me so much to think about and it's really bled over a lot into this one <laughs> but a lot of it i think is um very relevant to accessing and gatekeeping because I mean, there are going to be smaller languages that maybe just don't have quite the population that like, oh, I want to make, you know, I've, I, my grandmother's from Macedonia, like, oh, if I wanted to make a Macedonian audio fiction, like audio fiction, would I get any listeners? Is there, is there people that, that would appreciate that? Or if I was yeah. in Macedonia, would I just try to make an English podcast? Um, and so I think that is like a very interesting gatekeeping um, that maybe audio think, dramas aren't big enough that you can do a lot of entertainment in yeah. certain native languages. I guess it just boils down to why you're making what you're making in the first place. I mean, I like, are you making it to, to be seen or are you just making it because you want to produce something? It's a, a thing that I constantly go through in my head that like, I want to make the show that I have had in my head for, you know, however many years. But also, I still release it. I don't. I don't just like make it and then listen to it myself. Do you know what I mean? It's like a weird kind of. It, it, it boils down to like why produce art in the first place. It is an expression, but it feels like it becomes real once other people have like listened. So like, it's that balance of like, is it how important to you is it that it's in Macedonian? Say like, you know, I wanted to produce a story that can only be told in Macedonian, but it will get five listeners. But then, is that are you okay with that? It's like, I don't know. Yeah, and it's, that's like it's, your really, Welsh, guess... it's like your Welsh episode yeah. idea. How, like, how popular I, you know, is the Welsh episode going to be? <laughs> but exactly. as a creator, does it matter? Because you're making a statement. I really think that's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of making a statement, the so uh, David wanted to make it in um, was primarily going to make it in English, but as like kind of a a, a middle finger to. Like mm. the English prevails everywhere. I'm also going to do this in Spanish to give Spanish speakers something to listen to. That's yeah. very distinctly like there's not because he said that there's not a lot of Spanish audio dramas that are very good. 
um, that are very like that are a higher quality. And I would say that Dose After You is a pretty high quality show. Um, mm. And so a bit, that was really important to him. So as a statement of art and, and making something distinctly in Spanish as well, he didn't want to just make it in English. It was a very deliberate decision to do both and to use um, partially because of convenience and partially for that same subject is use VAs that speak both English and Spanish and cast them for both languages. I, cause That's I asked so him, cool. Yeah, I asked him, I'm like, did you ever have a consideration that if you had an English and a Spanish that you'd have two different sets of cast? And it was pretty important to him at first because of convenience, but also for the added thing of, I want this to have that Spanish identity, but I also want it to be accessible because, yeah, and, and I appreciate that because I don't speak Spanish, right? I got to enjoy that show with David and hear his art because he took that time and effort to make it in English and also in Spanish. Um, and I really appreciate that from uh, as appreciate him as an artist to do that yeah, so that people absolutely. like us can listen in. I mean, obviously, Aaron, I think you would I think you would love to hear it in Spanish um, if you can understand it. Um, I, I would love to Have hear you ever listen to it, Tony, in Spanish. Hmm? Have you ever given it like a listen in the, the Spanish version? No, I haven't yet. I listened to it. I listened to one of the episodes in Spanish. It's actually a really interesting experience hearing it alongside the sound, like trying to follow and mm-hmm. like the the sort of tonal inflections and stuff. Even though I, I, I even though I knew the episode, I couldn't follow. It was still it's definitely worth a listen, just like for the sake of like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's just a good experience. But yeah, sorry. No, I mean I I think I think what I could probably do is also like follow it in like with the English um, script yeah. because I can probably make those parallels um, because I yeah I know enough spanish to read like 30 percent of it yeah. um, go on aaron oh no i was gonna say i think that the casting director of encanto the uh latest big disney movie initially wanted to do the same thing where the characters that were going to do the english version were also going to dub it into spanish mm. and some of them are overlapped um cool. which is That's really cool. cool because if you listen to the spanish soundtrack you're like that's the same that's literally the same voice <laughs> so that means that that the spanish-speaking community gets the full as the yeah. fullest possible experience to the english-speaking community because you're even using the same actors and some people were replaced but like it, i think that is a uniquely special thing that that creator for that audio drama and also you know if that's if that's a new mindset that is being carried out i i think that's like <clears> such <throat> a glory like that warms my heart, my little Puerto Rican heart, so much. <laughs> it is beautiful. It really is. I think that makes it really, really, really special. Because you're making it accessible to... Because English is such a wide language. So even if you have an audience that is in another country that has English as a second language, they can enjoy it. Because unfortunately, English has permeated almost every other country in the world. And most people know English and their native Oops. language. <laughs> Um, yeah, which is great for us because we get to enjoy so many things. Us but Westerners, yeah. us Westerners, we're so privileged. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're in, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I think I think it's yeah. Well, because we talked about um um like foreigners that go to another country and then get upset when they don't like their English isn't understood. It's like. Homie, you're in another country. 
How did you not find this? Like, that's why when I was going to go to Sweden, I wanted so to try to learn oh, as much Sweden, Swedish yeah. as possible so I could okay. respect the, the culture, respect the language, and um, yeah. in, in, in pay respects to, you know, I'm there to celebrate yeah. a Swedish holiday. It's a stereotype about English tourists where they just refuse to learn the language and then get angry. It's like, one beer, please. I would like chips. It's like, what the fuck? Saying it loud is not going to translate it to Spanish, mate. Like, fucking hell. Right. Also, if you asked, even if you asked for chips in America, you'd get something very yeah. different than what you yeah. asked. Here's some yeah. fucking Lay's, bro. What, what do you want from me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But, yeah. But I don't know. I, I feel like, do we have any other, before we get too short on time here um do we have any other bars to entry or gatekeeping that we've seen mm. in the audio drama world because we've we've talked about how easy it was i feel like we've highlighted some of the uh parts that could use improvement the gatekeeping parts um but i don't yeah. know if that was kind of everything i came here to say i feel like i've said i don't know if there's any more now this has been an awesome conversation I, I, I think the the because I, I I'm only really coming at it because I don't I don't really do like I, I play the main character in the show so it's kind of not been a big sort of barrier like uh, it's very interesting to hear it from the perspective of an actor like a hundred like it's really kind of like because as a creator and as the producer and I, I like I do I do most of the things I think like in the sh yeah I do most of the things in the show and then I I sort of get people to um, like with the writing I will send it off but like. You know, ultimately, I'm I'm doing a lot of it, and I think that's maybe maybe has definitely like influenced the the view I have on the medium. In that, like, because I have it's I guess I'm a, a little bit of a control freak in that, like, I'm so happy I can every single detail I can like have some kind of control over, which I think is like like you said, it's definitely made me think about like sometimes it's good to have someone to say no, which is why I do send off my I definitely send off my scripts to other people, but I think even in the edit. It would be interesting to start sending that off, but it's also a difficult thing because most of the people I work with aren't. I, I don't like. I'm, I can't very readily sort of talk to and send stuff to, and my Wi-Fi at home is a bit shit, so I can't send like a thirty-minute episode very quickly. Um, so it's like, yeah, I think it's it's definitely. So yeah, I don't know, but it's definitely given me something to think about um, in the fact that I do almost everything in the show. Um, it's been good, like. Oh, and I didn't want to like. I certainly no, wasn't no, no. gonna call you out on that. <laughs> I've no, heard not at all. no, 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 no. Done productions yeah. that are good. That are. It's not that they're good. It's just that all of us could learn mm. stuff. You know, like yeah. I've 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 it, done I've done some solo things. I'll I'll send it to you so you can <laughs> shorts. I can <laughs> shorts by myself. Yeah. <laughs> and I've done everything, and so I know that yeah. life. And it, it, you're like, this is my baby, and it's wonderful. And then someone goes like, why didn't you show the people? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I could have shown the carrot. Well, because I didn't want to. So you didn't get my vision. So, like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, just see yeah. hearing someone else's perspective. But I think I think that's why collaboration is so important. It's it's the um, what's it called? I don't know why I'm so shit with words all the time. Like, just the the more people that you have looking at it, it's it's like the evolution of the thing of like, you know, things will get taken away and things will get added. But the more diversity you have of thought and of like opinion, Mm -hmm. I think it, it can only be good. And I think maybe you, you know, you can overdo it in terms of like creating a, a piece of art, art by committee, I think is the, the way that my dad says, like, yes. you know, that can kill it. That can kill a, a thing completely. I think it definitely needs a vision, but mm -hmm. you shouldn't just be on your own. You need to be working with people in, in some respect. Cause like, you know, yeah. 
Yeah, and you can find someone with a with a, that meshes with your vision. And if you feel if it's your baby and you feel like it's too far of a disconnect, you can say no. Like you can say yeah. no to the edits. Like you have that that power. Uh, but at least now you know there's that that what is what is my my husband calls it I think like the the thirteenth man. Like you need a thirteen if there's twelve people in the room to make a decision or to account for. Um, some kind of disaster. You need a 13th man to go like, what about the zombie apocalypse? Shouldn't we prepare for the zombie apocalypse? Well, that's crazy. But one person goes, yeah, I think that's a good idea. You should at least yeah. consider it. Hannah like, actually I'd... spoke quite a bit about um, collaborative writing and kind of her experiences. 13th juror. That was it. The 13th uh, juror. Oh, that's, I'll have to look up that. Um, I, I don't have is that a is that a, like a turn of phrase? Is, there, is that like a it's, common expression? So in the, it's literally like the government considers all odds as far as if one person thinks it's a possibility it has to be considered from a tactical level as far as strategy goes and so there are strategies for a zombie apocalypse there are strategies you know what i mean like uh, for alien invasion for Mm -hmm. both peaceful and for hostile and then types of things and like those are real things that exist because someone goes you know it could happen I don't think it's crazy, yeah. but even if 12 people think it's crazy, if one person says, no, we should have a plan for that, then there's a plan for that, which was part of right. the reason why it was so tragic. Oh, I don't want to end the panel on this. It was so tragic with 9-11 was because there was no plan in place for d- domestic takeover of a domestic aircraft. And mm-hmm. so now there obviously is, but like yeah. that wasn't something that we had thought of as an air force and so like uh, i didn't want to end there though but like let's let's change the subject real quick no no uh, I, i'd actually like to go back to uh, um, like um, yeah uh, kai you you mentioned that like um and we, we've been kind of mm. talked about this too but like as you add some more people to it you can kind of you're having someone to tell you no and on the flip side of that the more mm. people you add and the more ideas that class there is a possibility of this distillation of a product down to like you yeah. have all this stuff and it's distilled, distilled down to something that is maybe a fraction of what it was and sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes that's a bad thing and hannah spoke yeah. quite a bit about what it was like to be in a writer's room for super suits and um especially when one that is text-based and it's really hard to tell tone and and intent in words mm. over something like text um the the more people would involve like there would get to points where it's like there would be differing opinions on what to do with the character arc with an uh, episode resolution whatever the case may be and um and, and as hannah said um oh you disagree with what i said you must hate me personally and that's not always <laughs> the case but you know you have hate. this this time set like you yeah. have this creative idea and um one person telling you no it might alter what ends up happening with your show and in that kind of way the more people you have involved, it might start gatekeeping certain aspects of the show um, in that kind mm. of way. Obviously, there is this agreement that we all need to agree on something, at least in some small sense. But even if you agree on 95% of the show, that 5% that isn't what you originally had in uh, in mind, that is gatekeeped from you. Like maybe your vision didn't yeah. come true and you may feel gatekeeped. So even though you had that person to tell you no, maybe it was a good thing, maybe it was not. You never know. Like, you know, it could have been the right decision it, the whole time because it went out it there. At least, yeah. It at least makes you consider the decision you made and why you made it. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Like, yeah. you know, 
it's uh, I think sometimes you can just sort of do things and just take it for granted why you did it. And then if somebody goes, so what was what was this? And then kind of like you know, even like in a plot in my head, and then I'll, I'll talk it out, even just saying it out loud to someone else, you'll kind of say it and go, oh, that doesn't actually make any sense. And you can go back and do it. So I think even if the even if it's a dissenting voice that you will ignore, it has made you consider why you've done something the way you have. And I think that's important because then Absolutely. you know it only builds up the skills that you continue with. So I think yeah. And I think that's yeah. a much better place to leave off than, yeah, there we go. than something yeah. about uh, excellent. <clears throat> that, yeah, let's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. Cool. Awesome. Well, this has been, um, we have one more panel mm. left after this. That is going to be the final day, um, the final wrap up panel. We're probably going to just kind of recap a bit of what we talked about, hang out, yeah. talk about our, what we're excited about in the world of audio drama. And that's coming up in uh, an hour and a half. Can I math? Can I math? I can math in an hour and a half or so we will cool. be we'll have our final little thing so thank you so much aaron you've been here uh every day this weekend yeah. um helping yeah. us same with you kai you've helped out every day this weekend as well i've loved talking with you both um is there anything exciting you want to talk about um for your personal projects um um or anything you're working on before we head off for today we'll start with kai well i Oh god, there you go. No, I was like, Aaron, oh. no, Aaron new slides, okay. slides. You got to it first. Oh no. Oh. <laughs> um, so, I guess y- yesterday I plugged the Storm Chasers. I would really like to plug. I'm going to pull them up real quick. I should have mm-hmm. prepared for this. Um, I just finished a podcast that I absolutely adore called The Technomancy Project. And this the vision. Oh no, I'm pulling up the wrong thing. I'm pulled up the IMDb instead of the YouTube. This is a government agency that investigates uh, and contains cryptids, aliens, supernatural uh, beings, ghosts, demons, etc., etc. If any of that interests you, this is a unit that combines technology and magic to sort of, um, as politically as possible, deal with these situations. And it's Mm. very cool. and I'm going to link that in the chat as soon as I pull it up. Uh, FN has been, Fasting Nonsense has been talking to and working with the Technomancy people. So there might be some interesting mm. news related to that um, soon, sooner, sooner than later. Um, but yeah, so so Technomancy and Jack of All Trades have a very kind of similar vibe. So like... Mm. Um, it's very cool because they both deal with like dealing with the occult. Like there's this Jack of all trades, this organization called Fight of Cicades that has property and deals with a lot of really cool occult stuff. Um, so check out Technomancy Project. Aaron has linked it in chat and it'll be available. Yeah, in the I play Allie Watts, who's one of the agents on the Technomancy Project team. Um, and she's also like a version of me like if i became an astrophysicist this would be me <laughs> instead of a lawyer like cole castillo this is very me are you using your <laughs> long island accent for that too I, i'm not i actually had to stop myself i've had to i had to stop myself during recording a few times because i would slip into it because ali gets angry a lot and sometimes when i get angry i'll like go into my accent <laughs> and so i had to re-record in a neutral accent <laughs> Awesome. Well, everyone check out the Technomancy Project. I think that's one of mm. the... I have some FN projects I need to make sure I'm caught up on, and then that is the first thing I'm hopping into. Kai, what yeah. about you? Um, yeah, you can listen to the uh, mythic sci-fi audio drama I do, Chain of Being. It's it's uh, I love it so much. It brings me a lot of joy to make and to know that it's like been made. I just finished the first season. Um, you, can, you can definitely see me... Uh, 
loving sound more as the time goes on. I do feel that you were, I think you were talking yesterday about how like this the first three episodes are quite rocky. I think the first three episodes are smushed into one episode for me because the first episode is like three minutes long and then it just gets longer as time goes on. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you you um, please listen to that. I, I love it so much. Uh, I also do uh, noise music, which is the most artsy kind of thing that I do where I just uh, make noises and put them together in a way that I find interesting. Um, it's kind of where I can just completely... Like, I do sound design for things, but it's to a brief. This is just pure sound, and I... I, I just can't describe how much um, joy and sort of fulfillment it brings me. I love it so much. Um, I'm also going to be doing the sound editing, uh, the, the sound editing for Supersuits, um, uh, which I'm probably going to start uh, actually on uh, after Madcon. So, uh, yeah, no. Um, is that is that have I missed anything, Mr. Marketing Director? Um, I don't know. You just plugged like the three things that are super relevant I'm to you right now, moment. especially the super yeah, suits being like you got Chain of Being Season One done. We had a party and everything, um, which is super fun for the finale. You got the awesome noise music that I'm your number one fan of, and then um, <laughs> and then Super Suits Pod. Um, super Suits uh, is oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Follow me on Twitter at my name is not Kai. Yes. It's mostly just me being angry about politics in the world and uh, and podcast and liking podcast things. So that yeah, sounds like the audio <laughs> drama community. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. I already follow you. I wanted to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you all so much for joining me today. Um, you are wonderful panelists as always, and I uh, look forward to wrapping up MadCon with a little bow in an hour and a half or so. Um, so have a wonderful rest of your evening, everyone. Wicked. Kai, Thank get you so some much. sleep. I know it's hot and, and well, it's not too. Hot. I know I'm, I'm staying. I'm staying on for the panel. I'm staying on for the final. You're gonna. Oh, we're gonna I have kind of monster, Tony. I'm up until four in the morning. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> All right, let's go. We're gonna have delirious like midnight Kai. Yes. Yeah. Midnight Kai. Yeah, let's go. Have a good night, y'all. All right then. Thank you. Now, you seem to me to be a connoisseur of the best of radio drama. In which case, make sure you're subscribed to the Monday Matinee Feed. There we have our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio drama. So, yeah, either the main mutual audio network feed for all types and genres of audio drama, or the Monday Matinee. And we'll see you there. The Mutual Audio Drama Network, where we listen and imagine together.